never, ever marks the spot. I am altering the deep. Pray I don't alter it any further. Most of the intelligence community doesn't believe he exists. The ones that do call him the Winter Soldier. I'm Batman. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report. The podcast knows... You gotta shoot for the moon if you want to land on the sun. My name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening, along with me, as always, is my brother Peter. Hey, man, how are you? Here. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> how uh, how was your week? It was good. It was. Uh, I just took. I yeah. <laughs> I just had a pretty decently. I took a couple days. Bah. <laughs> I'm getting yep. tripped up because yep. we just literally out now. had we, this conversation. We, we, we have not been doing this for four years. Can you tell? <laughs> no, we just literally had this conversation before the show. So I just felt like kind of silly reiterating it. But I think these kind of moments make for good podcasting, personally. Um, I took a couple of days off last week. So I had a nice relaxing weekend, um, which was pretty great, especially with all the madness of the holidays going on and stuff like that. Um, otherwise I don't have too much crazy going on. Uh, how about you? <laughs> what holidays did you just like, we're like, I need a break. Cause my brain's like tired of like functioning. So it's, so it's literally like, <laughs> we just had like Christmas and new year's and all of that. And then it was just like a cut, like a week or two later, my wife and I were like, let's just do like a long weekend staycation sort of thing. Oh. Um, she works, she works retail actually. So she definitely needed the break more than me, but, uh, it definitely was nice. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got it that makes sense all right that's fair because you mentioned that you wanted to have a long weekend and all right i get you yeah <laughs> um well hey man let's jump into stuff that we're watching reading we got some stuff to the cover we got some news we got an update to the uh, dungeons and dragons craziness that <laughs> great um so yeah it's gonna be um, endless updates on that i think but, well uh, i think that um it's interesting because there's a lot of like videos and news and stuff that have hit and uh, podcasters and whatnot that, um, that it was hot and heavy for a while and it was crazy. And then what happened was there was an update that released and I feel like a lot of it's calmed down because it was all speculation while we quote unquote wait. So we'll get into that a little bit more. Um, so let's... Uh, Let's talk about what we're watching and reading. And I'm going to start out by saying um, I didn't really get to watch as much as I thought I was going to. <laughs> we started recording. So, yeah, um, yeah, for me. Well, like what I mentioned, I just had a long weekend, so I actually filled it with a lot of just like family stuff, like family time. So I actually okay. didn't do a lot of watching and reading stuff. Uh, the one <laughs> the one notable thing that I did watch is uh, we all went to see the new uh, Puss in Boots movie in the theater, uh, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, um, yep. which is surprisingly really good. Um, I'll say this right. now. If you go on Twitter and watch what people are saying about this movie, people are making it out like it's like the second coming of Christ. Like they're saying that this movie is so good. <laughs> and it was a little bit 
of that curiosity that got to me where I was like, I really want to know if it's this good. So we went out to see it. But uh, honestly, I don't think it's as I don't think it's the holy grail of animated films that like the Twitter animation community is making it out to be. But it is like a really solid film like you know this is obviously part of the shrek series where where shrek has had uh the shrek series has had its high and highs and lows over the years but i think this sure has (laughs) i think this movie is definitely a high um my favorite part of it is uh the animation in this movie is really cool because you could say this movie copies um uh into the spider-verse in a lot of ways but i don't think it's that simple i think we've had pixar and we've had like the disney animated movies and dreamworks animated movies and cg animation has been around for a while and the majority of it is very straightforward it's very like everything's the same frame rate everything looks kind of like a cartoony version of the real world and i kind of feel like into the spider-verse came out and it really showed us that like no you don't have to make things that way you can have speed lines you can have um you know crazy um onomatopoeia sound effects on the screen you can have parts of the movie that look mixed media and parts of the movie that look more straightforward and i think puss in boots seems to I would say take a page from that book, but I don't see it as a copy. I almost see it as like, you know, a hundred years from now, when you look at the timeline of 3D animation, you're going to see this is the way it was. Then Into the Spider-Verse happened, and that kind of opened the playbook for movies to follow. Um, Because Puss in Boots does play with that, uh, with a lot of those same concepts when it comes to certain parts of the movie looking mixed media, when it comes to different characters having different frame rates as far as how they're animated. Um, Most of the action scenes in this movie are, uh, I feel like they went with a slower frame rate for the action scenes, just so they had that more animated feel like make, it makes things actually look a little more lively when they have that slow frame rate, which is really weird. But, um, but what if, if you've like, Drew, I don't know if you've seen it, but there's this one clip from the movie that's going around online all over the place. And it's this part where Puss in Boots is fighting this giant um, sort of troll looking creature. And he is jumping across rooftops. It looks like it's a scene from Attack on Titan. It's it's awesome. So I feel like this movie is worth seeing for the uh, just for the action scenes alone. But from there, you also have like really great um like the story's really good and most of all i think the the voice acting was awesome uh the main villain is uh jack horner and uh he's played by uh john mulaney who does a really good job at that uh the only honestly the only uh voice actor i was a little bit disappointed with was uh selma hayek plays um soft paws like uh puss in boots love interest and i felt like she was a little lackluster like i felt like she was maybe phoning it in a little bit but the rest of the voice actors are awesome so puss in boots i feel like this is kind of the surprise hit of the moment (laughs) in a weird way and like i feel like that should feel more controversial to say but at least online it seems like a lot of people agree with me in that so um definitely recommend seeing this eventually whenever you get the chance i don't know if this is a 
must see in theaters sort of movie, but it it was a really enjoyable watch. So I hate to say that this is like on the scraping the barrel like watch for me because I no, there, there's kinda, so much more that you're gonna watch before this. I totally understand right, that. It's like <laughs> Shrek, really. Like you know, you liked the first movie, okay. <laughs> They did a second, a third. I, is there a fourth one? I honestly don't know. And then they start doing <laughs> spinoffs. And then, like, then there's the Broadway musical, which it, the Broadway musical, in my opinion, kind of ruined the whole thing. So now I'm just like, who cares? Like, that's honestly my <laughs> And I don't want to sound negative or anything, but it's just like, okay, here we go. So when I saw that there was a Puss in, another Puss in Boots movie coming, I was like, uh, do we really need this? Like, what? And and to be honest, I was in that exact same boat that you're that you're in right now. It's just one of those things where I follow a number of like animation and like just nerdy personalities online and i saw enough voices that i trust saying like no seriously seriously this movie's awesome and then pair that with i wanted to go to see a movie that we could take the kid to and stuff i'm like let's check out the new puss in boots i hear it's really good so um it was kind of guy who takes his kid to see like all kinds of strange adult things (laughs) oh me yeah you I haven't I don't think we've taken him to a really like crazy action movie or anything for a while when he was younger. Definitely. Um, we did that a couple of times. Oh, but it was also <laughs> definitely. Yeah. You know, there's like the that first year or two where, you know, the kid's not going to remember <laughs> anything that's going on. So uh, um, <laughs> what's that? I said, I see. <laughs> yeah. So. All right. Well, is that all you watched mostly or? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> How about you? Well, I watched, uh, I got another episode or two in a Willow, so I'm kind of easing my way along. I enjoy it. It's fun. Um, Where are you at right now? Uh, I think I'm on, I think I'm moving into episode five. Okay. What, there's eight episodes so total, I think? Yeah, left. yeah I, I don't have many left. So, I'm like I said, I'll have more of a review as we go. Um, so, so you, did you just watch the one where they're in, uh, Knockmore? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That, that episode was, had a lot of cool parts, but I actually thought it was a little slower than I was hoping. Um, I think then it was slower and they did have a lot of cool parts, but I felt like I was almost watching a rehash of the first movie a little bit watching that. So I was like, (laughs) I know all this. Yeah. As, as much as like episode four was probably my least favorite episode of the series because, it was one of those things where you're like, I know why they're here. I know what they have to do. And then you just kind of have to wait for all the characters get to get in the right place. You have to wait for um, Graydon to be exercised, so to speak, and stuff like that. And I felt like after episode four, I actually think the rest of the season picks up a little bit. But that was the one episode where I was like, because there's so much cool stuff going on, I should love this, but it just felt way too slow to me. So I can see where you're coming from there. Yeah. And that, that's really all like it, it was, it was good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, the bad batch started up. Um, so the first three episodes are out of the bad batch. The first two back to form. I think I talked about it last week. Um, really good back to form. Here we are. Star Wars is back kind of thing. This week's episode, well, not this week's, but last week's episode, because we, um, yeah, did I get a chance to watch the third episode? I'm just trying to think about where we are, like, in terms of recording. So, I had only seen the two episodes when we last recorded, 
um, coming in this week. I've seen all the, the only three that are out. The third episode is called the um, the Lonely Clone or the Lone Clone um, Solitary Clone. That's what it is. Um, really, really good. Really dark. Really powerful. Uh, kind of gives you chills, you know, if you will. Mm-hmm. It's it was it was fantastic. I'm like, this is great. Um, did you by any chance, and that's about it for my watching and reading, uh, this week I had, um, I had my adult D and D group this weekend. So like that kind of took a lot of time. Plus this is that busy time of year where I work multiple jobs all at once. So it kind of, my <laughs> schedule's really tight. Did you by any chance watch the Mandalorian trailer that dropped yesterday? No, I haven't watched it yet. Okay. Um, um, I've been doing I, pretty good avoiding stuff. So. <laughs> it's, it's, it's all good, because a lot of times lately I find myself watching the first trailer that comes out. All right, you watch the teaser, and you're like, okay. Then you watch the big trailer, and I'm like, I don't need to see any more, because I just want to enjoy it. But yeah. I want that thing to get me excited. This is the uh, final trailer before the release on March 1st. Wow. Um, let me just say this. Uh, the... What they're going to deliver in this season alone makes me question why the Internet loves Andor so much. It really does. Um, Again, I'm not trying to poke at Andor. Andor was good, but it just didn't feel like Star Wars. And you're going to watch this trailer and go, did I am I seeing this right? Am I seeing like TIE fighters doing like chasing runs through canyons and like, you know, Jedi's walking into like it's like, what is happening? Like, this is just it's incredible. Nice. Uh, so I can't wait to see what's coming. Uh, but that's honestly about it in terms of what I watched. So I think we can jump right into the news. I know that was kind of quick for a watching and reading. But <laughs> I think we can jump right into the news here. So Sounds good. We'll, we'll hit some of these quick ones first, and then we'll talk about the Dungeons & Dragons uh, official game license stuff because that is a huge topic of conversation. And we're going to have a lot to discuss on it in a general sense. But I feel like we've gotten to a point where... We're going to have to wait Um, and we're going to have to wait to see where things go, wait to see how companies react. There's there's companies already talking about we're going to we're done, we're quit, we moved on, we're starting our own game system, all that kind of stuff. So we'll come back to that momentarily, if you will. Uh, Let's talk about quick, quick hits. So first off. An original Power Rangers team-up for Netflix. It's a reunion special coming. Um, Crazy. Yeah, so it's the original... The original. Um, so who is this? Uh, David Yost. Uh, yeah, so they're basically bringing back all the originals that they can to do mm-hmm. a Power Rangers team-up. What I don't know about this is if it's going to be like an actual episode and it's like, think about... With all the different spinoffs of Power Rangers, you're going to have like an actual storied event. And then here's the original team are going to have to come back as the original team and actually like be like, no, we're still the OG and fight and win and, you know, prove to everyone why they're the OG. (laughs) Yeah. Or if this is a reunion special, the way Friends was a reunion and they sat down with the actors and discussed and all that stuff. That's the part part I'm not sure about. So. I would fully expect that this is going to be like a Friends or a, a Harry Potter reunion on HBO Max where you're just bringing back the original actors to be reunited. Um, and I kind of feel like I don't know if this was spurred on by it, but I know that um, 
Unfortunately, uh, Jason David Frank, who played the Green Ranger and White Ranger in the original series, uh, passed away um, a few months ago, yeah. I believe. And uh, I don't know if this was if that's what spurred this on. Um, and it's really unfortunate that he couldn't be there. Um, I can't remember if we talked about it on the show, but um, he was always like kind of. Uh, he was always like one of those guys who always just seemed to be such a really cool ambassador for the power rangers brand and he always had a presence at uh comic conventions and stuff and he just seemed awesome so i never would have expected that uh i believe he committed suicide if i remember correctly and i that really caught me off guard so it's it's really sad that he can't be there but i don't know the original power rangers cast has such a weird um there's a lot there to talk about um you mentioned david yost who i i'm I believe is the blue Ranger actor and he um, supposedly was like bullied on set a lot and stuff like that because he's uh, he's gay and he was like, it was just like not a very PC place or time to be. And he was bullied to the point of like wanting to quit the show. And uh, I feel like there's a lot of, there's like this dark underbelly to uh, the mighty Morphin power Rangers. And I don't know if the special is going to, delve into any of that at all or if it's going to be kind of more surface level happy-go-lucky lighthearted stuff um either way like i do think i do think there's a time and place for lighthearted stuff and if that's the way that they focus this special um i don't think that's a bad thing like i think that it could be good for people to just be you know have that uh nostalgic moment and just be like oh yeah this was my favorite show in first grade or whatever but uh i it sounds really interesting <laughs> is probably right. how I could conclude with what I'm going to say. And it's going to be really interesting to see what they focus on with this reunion. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure. Well, all right. I hear you. So until we know more, we, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, quick hit here. Disney is bringing Phineas and Ferb back for another season. Um, okay. I, I don't know if you watched uh, <laughs> Phineas and Ferb at all. Uh, uh, way less than you. <laughs> all right. I've seen so, a couple episodes, but well, they're coming back. To... They're coming back with a 40 episode season, which that's that's a huge season. But and I'm seriousness and I'm all serious because you have a kid at like the perfect age, I think, to really enjoy it. I really think you should start throwing it on and watching it because one, he'll like he'll really enjoy it. But you as an adult are going to love that show. So right. <laughs> I seriously think you should give it a shot, toss it on your Disney plus and just see how he reacts to it. it. It's, it'll be a lot of fun. So I was excited to see that they're coming back with more. Um, is, uh, is bowling for soup going to do the, uh, theme song this time again? Don't know why they would change theme songs. Well, isn't okay. Fair, fair enough. I know you've mentioned numerous times about how the theme song says there's a hundred days of summer vacation or whatever. And I don't four days of summer vacation. There you go. So <laughs> I don't know if they're doing a new 40 episode season, if they would have to change the theme song for some reason. Well, that's a good point. And I'm yeah. not sure what the, and like I said, I'm not sure what the plan is, but when you think of like, when you look at the show, it's really funny. Uh, uh, old coworker of mine really enjoyed the show just in terms of the animation and the storytelling and the fact that it clearly was meant for adults and that kind of stuff. So every now and then it would come with a conversation. And he made a comment one day about how he thought it was dumb that the show is ending on an odd number because when they announced the end of the show. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he goes, it's just 
104 episodes, it just seems odd. And I was like, well, there are 104 days of conversation. <laughs> and he just looked at me, jaw dropped, like, oh, my God. <laughs> nice. Each episode is one day. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Um, so, yeah. Anyway. Uh, there is a right, Matt Reeves Batverse will likely stay separate from James Gunn's DCU. Um, Matt Reeves will soon sit down with DCU, uh, DC studio chairs, James Gunn and Peter Safran to let them hear the Batverse plan, which he says they're supporting as kind of its own thing. Like they're letting us do what we want. I think it's interesting to have a Batverse, if you will, to like, hey, we're going to do this own thing because we we made a crap ton of money with this Batman movie. They want us to do another one. Um, let's let it be its own thing. I find that really interesting because of they're trying to consolidate the house, if you will. So I don't know what your thoughts. What are, I'm curious what your thoughts are on that, just because it makes me curious. So. Um. Yeah, it's, it's hard to really know what to say, but I think what they need is they need to have, they need to really concisely portray what their universe, what their universes are. Because like before this whole James Gunn shakeup that's going on at DC, you had like, you had like the Snyderverse movies. Um, I'll just call them that uh, for shorthand. And then you had, Matt Reeves Batman and then you had the Joker which is getting a sequel which is that connected to any of those I don't really know and it just started to seem like there was this really vague sort of <laughs> fraying of the DC cinematic multiverse which is really fun and cool to watch and of course Drew you and I like seeing all this unfold but I feel like for the average viewer they need to be able to walk into a movie and at least have some sort of vague understanding of where does this movie sit within the DC timeline? And I think it was getting to the point where it's like, you could go see one of these DC movies and you could think it's awesome. It could be one of your favorite movies, but you also could leave and not necessarily know where it even sits within this timeline and universe that uh, you're trying to enjoy. Um, So that's kind of, I think it's okay if they're going to have like the James Gunn DC universe. And then they're also going to have this darker Matt Reeves, Batman universe going on at the same time. I just think it needs to be clearly portrayed. And um, I don't know. I've mentioned this briefly before, but for me, like clarity is like a super important thing with storytelling. Like if things start to be unclear, um, it kind of takes a lot of the fun out of it for me. Like I, I don't I, I, I don't know if I have the best way to uh, word that, but it's just kind of like if I'm spending more time trying to figure out where this like next chapter of the story is supposed to take place, then I'm spending trying to just enjoy the media for what it is. Like it kind of makes me uh, back out a little bit, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. So, uh, yeah, I guess that'd be my thoughts. Uh, do you have any thoughts about this update at all with the well, movies, like in, Batman well, movies? Like- Well, my concern about it is right now, the Spider-Man movies feel very separated. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And this is a this is a franchise that needs to clean its house up. It needs to get everything back to cohesive area. And if you haven't, like you said, if you have an audience walking in and can't place where it's in the timeline or we're not sure what this is about or that kind of thing, it, it makes it difficult. It really does. 
And I think that's the hardest part about this. So I'm not 100% sure what to say about it. I'm not 100% sure <laughs> how to extrapolate that. I definitely want to see more from this universe, but I don't want it to feel separated, really, knowing that they're looking at bigger things. Yeah. That's connected to me. You know, I don't want, you know, it's that it's that point where, like, it, it takes you all the way back to the, like, early um early 90s when you were dealing with you know we had a christopher reeve superman right and we just started the michael keaton batmans but the studio kept them separated so there was never a chance that those characters were going to meet yeah you know and that's that's the part that kind of weirds me out a little bit so to do that now seems really odd i don't know uh (laughs) well it's also you got to think of like with the mcu the Marvel movies have such a uh, it's so clear how their timeline works from movie to movie that the majority of just average moviegoers know what they're getting into. They know where the next movie is going to sit more or less within the grand scheme of the MCU. And I think it's the MCU is at a point where people, even if they hear that one of the movies isn't that good, they still have the obligation to watch it because they want to see the next piece of the story and like i'm all for dc putting out completely random unconnected movies because like i like that stuff too but you're not building in an obligation to see every chapter so i feel like just from a marketing standpoint it makes sense to connect things um in a very understandable way yeah yeah well we'll see how it shakes out what i do think is interesting is we've talked a lot about comments and making sure that people have correct sources and where information comes from, right? So Superfilm News um, posts on Twitter, Jacob Elordi from Euphoria is rumored to be James Gunn's Superman for the DCU. Thoughts? (laughs) I did hear about this. Um, This is a guy who, uh, like, I've watched Euphoria, so I'm I'm familiar with the actor. I feel (laughs) like I've seen him in maybe a random indie film or something like that at some point too. Um, But he's a character who, or he's a actor who I feel like does look the part. Like I really do think he could bulk up and he would look like Superman. If you slap a Superman suit on him, Um, his acting, he was really good. Like from an actor standpoint in euphoria, the issue is in euphoria, he plays (laughs) such an asshole. (laughs) That is really hard. Like he plays like the biggest like D bag Jack character in that show. And so it really is hard to see him in that role. But if James Gunn is looking for a younger guy to play Superman, I could see he's like an actor who I never would have put on my shortlist. And it's probably because of the kind of character he plays in Euphoria. But really hearing that news like i could see it so i'm not opposed to this necessarily um i don't know how how familiar you are with this actor drew or well i don't think my opinion matters 100 (laughs) percent. and i'm gonna tell you why (laughs) okay the reason why my opinion doesn't matter is because james gunn responded to this post and said my thoughts are no one has been cast as superman yet Casting as casting, as is always with the case with me, will happen after the script is finished or close to finish, and it isn't. <laughs> we'll announce new things. Um, we'll announce a few things in not too long, but the casting of Superman won't be one of them. <laughs> so I, I feel like this whole series, this whole like tweet and retweet happened like 
shortly after we recorded last week. Um, yep. So that yep. was the thing. Literally, for me. like we closed the microphones and I popped that. And I'm like, that's hilarious. Because so. I do remember seeing that. But when you brought up the story, I didn't necessarily remember exactly how James Gunn responded to this. But um, I think part of me was also just like caught up in the wonder of like, Hmm. Could that actor play Superman? That's interesting. But uh, yeah, actually, it's really I, funny. <laughs> I, I, I watch the news outlets as closely as I can. But because James Gunn made that statement that if it doesn't come from him, it's not real. I made James, I marked James Gunn's tweets and Instagram posts as um, notifications. So I'm seeing his responses to this stuff and it's awesome. And that's all I got to say to that. Um, and right now he's kind of, and right now he's kind of gearing up for a lot of Guardians of the Galaxy three stuff because he still has to do press for it. So like as they're releasing little bits here and he's like, here's a new image of Adam Warlock and stuff like that. And you're like, cool. So um, it seems like the DC conversation has kind of died down at his end. No, no, you're you're like cool, but what does that have to do with Superman? Well, no, it doesn't. It's just he's gonna he, he posted it and I was like, oh yeah, he's got to do press yeah. for that too because he's not. He's, he's under contract to do the press part, you know. So, mm-hmm. uh, I think this the story is another just good reminder. This is like our weekly reminder of like, if you don't hear it from an official source, you can't count on it to be true. But it also to me is a reminder of like this story, like is all speculation. But the thing mm-hmm. is, this is the this is one of my favorite parts of just superhero cinema is the wild card uh hypotheticals like all the special speculation i love debating about it and thinking about it and coming up with crazy theories because some creator involved in the movie posted something online or something like that so before before the internet was what it is now we all speculated about the x-men casting and there were fan castings all over the place and at the end of the day we all (laughs) said patrick stewart had to be professor x and look what happened (laughs) you know so and uh a lot of people wanted Glenn Danzig to be Wolverine, and uh, we dodged that bullet and got Hugh Jackman, which was awesome. So there you yeah. go. <laughs> right. Um, all right. Quick update. The Alien TV show is in pre-production. Um, all right. Nothing really more other than scripts are getting prepped and gearing up for production, blah, blah, blah. It's just a good news to see that it's moving forward. I'm excited for this. I think it's been a while since we had something of that caliber, in my opinion, so we need to... I, I just look forward to it. I thought they were a little closer up, move farther along in the process, but that's fine too. So we, we really live in a crazy world when it's like the story is the alien TV show is in pre-production. And uh, like my reaction to it is just like, Oh yeah, cool. That's still going on. Instead of like, if that was an announcement like 10 or 15 years ago, it would be like mind blowing, but we live in such a nerd culture, like mainstream nerd culture is so saturated now. And it's so, it's easy to lose sight of how exciting uh, the time we live in as far as pop culture goes is, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of pop culture, there is a star Wars holiday special documentary. <laughs> yes. Yes. It is, being, it is being released at South by Southwest. And the whole point of the documentary is exploring how it ever came to be in the first place. Mm-hmm. I think this would be amazing to see. Unfortunately, it's going to be premiered at South by Southwest, so we're going to have to wait a little bit for it to hit streaming services and stuff. But I, I for sure you, I will be watching that uh, documentary when it finally drops. 
themselves. Dude, if that can, um, is it, it's being released this year at South by Southwest? Yeah. Yeah. So if, if whatever streaming service picks that up, that could be the hit next holiday season. Like if they play their cards, right. Oh, release that right before Christmas. That could be the, that could be the documentary. Everybody's watching next year. Good call. Well, I can tell you the one thing everyone will be watching is a four part event. That's going to be landing on Hulu. Um, soon ish there's a teaser trailer for it out right now if you haven't had a chance to watch it i highly suggest you go check it out but there's a teaser trailer for mel brooks history of the world part two nice um i'm really excited about this i loved the movie history of the world part one i didn't know this was i thought this was going to be a movie i was like wait there's a teaser for this the teaser is like honestly it feels more like a trailer um it's like a minute and a half but it feels more like a trailer than a teaser and um, it, it's it's uh, it's going to be a four part event on Hulu. So that's just great. And look, as long as they uh, as long as they give us Jews in space like they promised in the first movie, you know, like <laughs> you got to make sure that happens. You know what I mean? You can't forget about Hitler on ice. Um, no. And yeah, how they're going to get away. And in a world to, with the world as it is today, how they're going to get away with some of those jokes is going to be interesting. So. <laughs> um. So, yeah, this is awesome. I kind of like that uh, if it's a four part event, like if they're doing this as a mini series, I kind of think it works. Because when you think of the original history of the world, uh, part one, that movie was really segmented. Like you had your uh, you had your like moment in ancient Greece and then your moment. And, you know, you had like it was very segmented. So I I could definitely see it playing out like a mini series like that. Yeah, absolutely. All right. This one I thought was kind of cool. Um, did you ever see the movie Without Remorse? Um, it's Michael B. Jordan, um, Tom Clancy's Without Remorse on Amazon Prime. No. Okay. That sounds interesting. <laughs> so what I don't think I realized when I was watching that movie, the movie's awesome. It's basically like a Tom Clancy military um, tactical thriller. But what I, yeah. think I realized when I was watching it was Michael B. Jordan was playing John Clark from who's a famous character from Tom Clancy novels specifically he John Clark is the lead operative for Rainbow Six so crazy so Paramount's adaptation of Tom Clancy's novel Rainbow Six has found its director uh Chad Stolinski if I'm pronouncing that right the director of the John Wick movies has been tapped to direct the feature project that's serving as a Michael B. Jordan action vehicle, and will follow up to the actor's, you know, movie without remorse. Um, once again, he'll be playing Navy SEAL John Clark, uh, one of Clancy's most popular characters who appeared in the late author's Jack Ryan spy books. That sounds awesome. Nice. I love the I love the Rainbow Six video games. The yeah. Rainbow Six books I've read have were amazing. So this sounds great. The, yeah, it's the, also you know, a cool. It's also a cool way to have, um, you know, Rainbow Six, like it's kind of a cool way to take a and I don't know, did that property exist as books first before the yes. video game? Yes. OK, um, so I, I don't want to say like wrongly that this is a video game adaptation, but it kind of is. And it's kind of a cool way to sneak it in under the table. You know what I mean? <laughs> sure. Like it, it, it seems like you've already gotten like the prequel to it and now they're doing the uh, the full on video game story that everybody knows and loves so yeah. yeah all right so let's talk about the dungeons and dragons 
open game license. Remember <laughs> we talked about last week. Um, if you did not listen last week, uh, we covered this pretty heavily because it was a big conversation at top, uh, on the internet right now. I would suggest listening to that episode just so you can understand our conversation. And then I also suggest if you're interested in what's going on or if you're just like, I, you know, you want to know more, check out a YouTube channel called Dungeon Dudes. They do a really good breakdown, very opinion free breakdown. They kind of focus on just the facts of it, which I really enjoyed. It was a really nice um, explanation of what's going on. Um, but there's some areas that we were looking for statements being made by some of the bigger corporations, um, you know, we're waiting for uh, Watsi or Wizards of the Coast to finally make an updated statement because of the backlash they got. So if you didn't listen last week, ultimately Dungeons and Dragons was created in the 70s. At some point around uh, third edition, they the third edition of the game, they released a open license that would allow third party creators to be able to create content and freely use game mechanics. Um, there's some stuff that would be copyrighted for sure that they couldn't use, but ultimately they were able to use content and, you know, people started building their stuff. Now they're looking to release a new edition of Dungeons and Dragons because of Stranger Things, Critical Role. Those are probably the two most famous things. Yeah, probably the two largest things that have made Dungeons and Dragons what it is today. And Dungeons and Dragons is now at the top of the world. And this new update to the open licenses made it basically, basically said all these third party creators are going to get heavily, they're going to have to pay heavy royalties and it's going to, and the catalyst would be shutting down like all the Kickstarters and these lower companies. If you read the way, if you read the leaked document, it sounds like it's only going to hit the big corporations, but that's not necessarily how things could play out and everyone panicked and <laughs> yeah, completely panicked. So things that I was looking for was critical role had not made a statement for a really long time and being a big fan of them and very, very curious to what they had to say. I was really like wondering because they had partnered with wizards of the coast to produce the book explorers guide to wild mount. Okay. Which is a campaign setting uh, partnered Critical Role with its Critical Role's original content partnered with Wizards of the Coast. Then they released the advent, published adventure called The Nether Deep. Critical Role lore partnered with Watsi to create a, a published campaign. Then Critical Role released the book Tal'Dorei Reborn, which is a campaign setting, but they released it on their own through their publishing company, Darrington Press which wasn't through Watsi at all. So, and Wild Mount and Teldore are currently the most popular campaign settings, probably because of Critical Role. And someone over at Hasbro basically said, we need a piece of that pie. And that's how this whole thing started. <laughs> right. So it's really interesting. So that quick recap. Okay. Critical Role finally released a statement. This is... And some people are saying the statement doesn't say anything, but I think it's kind of an interesting statement. So I'm just going to read it. It's not that long. I'm going to read it, and then we'll talk about the update that got posted on D&D um, Beyond. Critical Role has always supported creators and game development in the tabletop space. We stand by our industry peers, as well as anyone who takes a risk creating a new system or developing an original idea. 
The beauty of gaming comes from the opportunity to share inclusive, diverse, and compelling stories from a widespread spread spectrum of creators. That is why we launched our own game publishing company a few years ago, because we believe that broadening the field of creators boosts the entire industry. The success we have experienced is thanks to the passion and interest in the greater tabletop community, and we commit to fostering an environment that allows everyone the opportunity to easily share the stories they wish to tell. That was Critical Role's statement. Now, some people are saying that that didn't say anything, and I think what's interesting about it is I think Matt Mercer got a heads up about this and they've been planning stuff behind the scenes of Critical Role and that's why they've been quiet. Planning stuff for the, hey, we're working with, we're still working with Watsi or we're doing our own thing. I think they haven't made those yeah. announcements, but I think something's going on. What I think people need to realize is it's definitely time to assess how much critical role need needs D and D so much as D and D needs critical role. Yeah. That's a huge piece of it because D and D is not going to survive solely on the stranger things bandwagon and a stranger things is eventually going to be over. And I think the streaming tabletop gaming universe is going to exist well beyond stranger things. So um, it's just an interesting statement that they made, and that's kind of where um, we're at with that. However, Wizards of the Coast finally posted an update on D&D Beyond. It is quite lengthy, so I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'm going to pick out some stuff. Um, I'm going to read the first paragraph, and I'm going to bounce around it a little bit and kind of um, read some things that fell apart. I would suggest if you want to read it, like I said, it's a lengthy response, but it's on the very, it's the top story, like the front page story on dndbeyond.com. Um, so here we go. We initially conceived of revising the OGL. It was three major goals in mind. First, we wanted the ability to prevent the use of D&D content from being included in hateful and discriminatory products. So discriminatory products. Second, we wanted to address those attempting to use D&D in Web3 blockchain games and NFTs by making clear that OGL content is limited to tabletop role-playing content like campaigns, modules, and supplements. And third, we wanted to ensure that the OGL is for content creator, the home brewer, the aspiring designer, our players, and the community, not major corporations to use for their own commercial and promotional purpose. Based on our conversation last week, Peter, we were kind of with them on that one. We completely kind of understood yeah, where they yeah. were coming from, right? Mm -hmm. um, driving these goals were two simple principles. One, our job to be good stewards of the game, and two, the OGL exists for the benefits of the fans. Nothing about those principles has wavered for a second. Um, so then they go on about draft language and stuff like that. Um, that's why our, that was why our clearly... That was why our early drafts of the new AGL included the provisions they did. The draft language was provided to, to content creators and publishers so their feedback could be considered before anything was finalized. In addition to language, allowing us to address discriminatory and hateful conduct and clarifying what types of the OGL covers, our drafts included royalty language designed to apply to large corporations attempting to use the OGL content. It was never our intention to impact the vast majority of the community. However, it's clear from the reaction that we rolled a natural one. 
It has become clear that it is no longer possible to fully achieve all three goals while staying true to our principles. So here's what we are doing. So then they go into, um, it'll, it goes into some stuff. Uh, it, this is where it gets really, um, lengthy. So, um, what will not, so they're not going to, the provisions that allow them to protect and cultivate the game It'll not contain any royalty structure. It'll not include the license by provision. So they're not going to like apparently charge now. There's not going to be no royalty fees. Um, let's see here. They have this one specific line that I really wanted to make sure it's the creation one. Um, because it's the we want that I thought was really great. Oh, yeah, here we go. Um, what it will not contain is any royalty structure. It'll also not include the license black back provision that some people were afraid was a means for us to steal work that thought never crossed their mind under any new ogl you will own the content you create we won't any language we put down will be crystal clear and un unevocable up to that point um so and like i said this is kind of lengthy so i'm not gonna read the whole thing but it's nice yeah, to yeah. see that they said those things however if you read the entire thing like i have and i read it through a couple times but if you read through it it basically sounds like that document got leaked. It wasn't supposed to. It was test language, yeah. but we are glad to hear the feedback because it's very clear that we messed up with that test language. We'll be back, <laughs> ultimately. So, Yeah, there, there's a lot of damage control there, but um, I think... I don't know. I don't it, think I don't think it's the correct damage control, but there's a lot of damage control there. Well, the thing that really okay, so I feel like it's very clear that this whole new OGL situation was leaked, and uh, they I really think it took Hasbro and Wizard Wizards of the Coast. Um, I think it really took them off guard, and I feel like they didn't they hadn't grouped what they wanted to say about this update yet. So that's kind of probably why they were on radio silence for a while um, after this news broke. Because <laughs> it's just like, oh, crap, we weren't prepared for this sort of thing. Uh, they brought up, like, the use of, like, NFTs and, like, incorporating that into the game. And uh, I don't know, people, I don't even know. It's hard to even grasp your mind around how that would work. But I'm imagining just, like, independent creators and uh i don't know streamers and stuff building nfts that somehow correspond with DD, &D. and i feel like that is probably something that they were like well this is a problem that they need that we need to address and uh so they're trying to address these things and all their plans were kind of leaked before um before they had a chance to speak for themselves and i feel like i'm still not fully on board with uh this update from wizards of the coast but i kind of i can see that they brought up some issues that i did not think about at all when we first talked about yeah. this um and so it's real and i feel like what we're going to get in the end is going to be a compromise between it's not going to be the wild west like the like it was before like there's going to be some new restrictions and uh licensing fees and stuff like that if you want to uh you know make money off of something you created within D, D. but i think 
it they also seem to be pulling back on certain issues so i think there's a balance there and i don't know this is like a story i feel like i need to research a lot because it's really even hard to say what i would want to say but i do think they brought up some important issues that i did not think about at all so yeah really really interesting stuff (laughs) yeah it's just we're gonna hear more they're gonna have more for us it's gonna take a little bit of time that's really all i can say for right now you know what i mean so absolutely but i do think the one thing i do hope they keep in mind because i still haven't really wavered on this is like you mentioned earlier how much does wizards of the coast need critical role versus how much does critical role need them and i feel like that's a good point because stuff like critical role is bringing dungeons and dragons to the forefront and i keep thinking about like stranger things another example like if you watched the premiere episode of stranger things and they were not allowed to use like dungeons and dragons like the name without paying like licensing fees and getting all caught up in that like contractual mumbo jumbo they probably would have just made up a different tabletop game that resembled the D, but they would have called it i don't know knights and i don't know necromancers or something like they would have had like a different name and people would watch it and if you know D, you you would know that's what stranger things was portraying but the average watcher would just be like oh they're just playing some weird board game i don't know what it is but the kind of like stranger- kind of like we all realized we thought they were all playing like monopoly or something in um et but they're playing dungeons and dragons at the beginning of that movie Right. But but that, that's also like my point is like Stranger Things brought D&D to they brought like this big pop culture spotlight onto the game for that moment. And they're still producing products to bring that spotlight on D&D. And I feel like Hasbro and uh, Wizards of the Coast and I don't know where exactly to point my finger still, but I feel like I want them to keep in mind like these independent creators, you know, stuff like Critical Role and other streamers and stuff really are is they really are what is making Dungeons and Dragons so popular today. So I hope they don't lose sight of that. And I hope they uh, keep that in mind, you know? Yeah. Agreed. And we'll keep everybody updated as we learn stuff. Otherwise I'm pretty sure you can just open up any social media and you'll find it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's pretty funny. Let's move forward and talk about tonight's list. Shall we? Yeah. Sound good for you? All right, so let's roll the thing. And now for the top five. So, Peter, this was your pick. Yes. Um, You get to explain to the audience this week what we're doing, why, um, and I'm curious to see if you had difficulty putting this one together. (laughs) so for this week i wanted to do our top five movies that we saw on a whim so i was really just thinking of like it really reminded me of like kind of in high school when you're hanging out with your friends and you have nothing better to do and you say hey let's go see a movie and your friends are like what movie do you want to see and you're just like i don't know let's go let's just go to the movie the theater and pick one and i really wanted to capture those moments of like you walk into a theater and you pick a random film you might not know anything about it but you just choose to watch it just for something to do or i i did want to extend this to movies that you bought uh rented is a little 
iffy because I feel like back in the blockbuster days, you would spend a lot of time browsing before you'd pick a movie. So I don't know if that counts as much, but I did want to include those movies that you might have bought or rented as well that you just chose to watch because I felt like that opened up just more opportunities. Like I know a lot of my list are actually movies that I bought solely based on the cover. Just like, this looks cool. Let me check it out. But it's really that I think in a world of streaming, we have lost a lot of that adventure that I feel like there used to be when you would go see the movies. And sometimes you would just walk into a movie and not know what you're getting into. And I kind of uh, thought that would be a fun, a fun uh, sort of feeling to reminisce about with this list, if that makes sense. So, yeah. And well, just to piggyback on what you said, we've, I don't feel like, I feel like movies are so well advertised now that you don't have the same caliber of it's, it's like what's out right now. Everybody knows. And it's, yeah always huge and it's always big and people are always talking about it. So it's very rare. You don't know about what's going on in the realm of the cinema. Absolutely. Um, which made this list kind of difficult for me because very rarely have I had a, Ooh, I'm just going to randomly go see that movie. <laughs> right. Right. Anymore. And it's like, and I was looking at, especially like when you, cause you were, cause you brought up the buy category, the ones yeah. you just buy on your own. And, um, I was looking at my shelf and I'm like, well, yeah, I, you know, what movies did I buy just randomly? Not many of them. And the ones I did were ones I already wanted to see. I just didn't get a chance to see them in the theater. So I just purchased them instead because why not? You know, like, yeah. so very, there's not many in it. And that's where I had the hard time putting this list together. Um, I only have one honorable mention and it kind of doesn't count for the list. That's why it's an honorable mention, but it okay. fits the bill for what you were saying and I'll explain why. So, okay, fair enough. I, 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 I am on board with you where like, I did have a hard time with this list just because there is only like a select finite number of movies that could fit the criteria, but I was able to fill out my list. Uh, that being said, I have no honorable mentions this week. So, uh, no. yeah, what do you got? <laughs> All right. Well, I was, I was going to say, like, because at first I was like, I don't have any. But um, so, yeah. So my honorable mention tonight is Tenet. Okay. Um, which is weird because I knew all about this movie leading up to it. I knew that I had to see this movie. I knew that I had to rush to the theater and see this movie. But it never released in the theater and all the nonsense with COVID and everything, I couldn't go see the movie. So I just straight bought it. Like, screw it. I have to see it. <laughs> oh, okay, I got you. You know, and that's why it's an honorable mention where, like, I, I knew just enough, but I didn't really know. And then I'm like, I don't even care. I'm just buying it. Who cares? Like, I'm just going to watch this movie. It's going to be amazing. Let's watch this. So that's why it makes an honorable mention, because it kind of doesn't count in this bizarre way. So cool. Cool. Yeah. Um, all right, so I have to go first because this was your pick. So the first movie on my list is a movie called Secondhand Lions. You ever oh, seen this? nice. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, this is great. Okay, this movie is absolutely wonderful. And if you've never seen this movie, it's about a little kid um, who has to go live with his uncles. This is like this is definitely 50s, I think. Yeah, it's 50s because they have those greaser kids that appear in the movie at some point. Sounds so, about right, yeah. Um, so it takes place in the 50s, and he's got to go live with his two crazy uncles for the summer. And his uncles are, like, apparently rich, 
and there's a big story behind how they got their money and no one really knows if the story is true or not but the kid goes and lives with his crazy uncles and they befriend him and the, it's like it's a it's like it's a family film but there's this really great sense of adventure behind it so there's a little yeah. bit of a fictional story where like it's like they're one of the uncles is telling the other about this adventure they had when they were younger and it's leading up to the event of where all this stuff happened and how they came to be where they are. And you, and you question the whole time, is it real or was it just a big tall tale? Almost in that big fish kind of a sense. Of yeah. And it's just this wonderful, wonderful movie. And all I know is that I remembered seeing like a commercial for it. And I'm like, that kind of looks cool, but I didn't really know what I was getting into and then it was like, just go to the theater and see this movie. And you're just walking out like, that's probably one of the best movies I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, literally, <laughs> just like this is absolutely wonderful. Um, I got to see that again. I need to tell everyone about this movie. It's just, yeah, so. That's awesome. This is a, this is a great movie. Um, it's, it is, it really is that, like, good mix of, like, coming of age sort of, like, kids story but it's like back when like back in the day when kids actually went out and did stuff <laughs> like a kid that lives on a farm with his uncles but he's actually gonna go play in the barns and get dirty and stuff and then there's still that like his uncle's like stories like the flashbacks about how they got all their money does have that like really cool I don't know if I want to say Indiana Jones level, but it really does have that like ad classic adventure story level to things, which is really cool. And uh, this is one that you don't hear a lot of people bring up secondhand lions nowadays. So, uh, yeah, that's well, everyone that's should point. watch it because it's just amazing. So go ahead. OK, awesome. So my first movie is a movie that I've mentioned um, at least once before on the podcast, and it is a horror anthology called fears of the dark. And, uh, this is a, uh, black and white animated horror anthology. Horror, it's a horror in the dark. No, sorry. Fe fears in the dark is what fears it's called. Um, and this is, uh, it's basically a collection of, um, European like animators and, uh, comic book artists who were all asked to do a short animated film for this movie and uh, it's all in black and white and uh, each story within this movie has has like a different medium to it so you have like one of the animated stories is very like it all looks like animated charcoal drawings and it really it's really gritty and charcoal looking and then there's other ones that are very geometric and look very uh like you can tell they were done on a computer and each horror story is uh very interesting in like that sort of like cool indie movie sensibility but it's they're also all very distinct visually and uh this is one that i actually bought i think i bought it on a sale at uh blockbuster and it's one of those things where um for any of you who didn't go to blockbuster blockbuster of course was like the movie rental place but sometimes after you know the store was getting rid of because like blockbuster would get a new movie and they would get like 50 copies of like the new Adam Sandler movie or something. And uh, after sure. that movie wasn't new anymore, they'd have to get rid of all those extra copies. So you could go to Blockbuster and get DVDs for like four or five bucks sometimes. Like they were always super cheap. And uh, this is a movie that I found on one of those Blockbuster DVD sale tables. And it's one of those things that I picked up and it was like 
animated horror anthology. And I think on the front, there might have been a quote, like on the front cover, there might have been a quote from Guillermo del Toro. And that's all it took. I was just like, this looks awesome. I'll check it out. Took it home, watched it. I was like, yep, this is exactly what I wanted from this. So, uh, yeah, Fears of the Dark is awesome. And it's a very, um, I think, underappreciated not just horror anthology, but also just cool adult oriented, like animated movie. Like nobody ever brings this up, but it's a really fun watch. No, oh, well, I, it sounds really cool. So I'll keep it yeah. in mind. Is there, you know, <laughs> where you can get like, get your hand, like, is it streaming anywhere? Can you get your hands on it? Or is this like, uh, you got lucky and, you know, probably it's probably really hard to find. Um, I could probably loan it to you cause I still have it on DVD, but, uh, yeah, I've never my, seen you it. You still have my copy of John Carpenter's Vampires too, by the way. True. And I need to, I know I've mentioned a couple of things I need to lend to you anyways. So <laughs> <laughs> next time we meet up in person, I'll have to, right. maybe I'll try to remember fears of the dark as well. Yeah. Um, all right. So my next one is a movie called phone booth. Um, okay. I, nice. I may have talked to this before. Talked about this before. This is one where I, you saw you saw the cover, you read the back. The concept sounds cool. Cast looks good. Let's watch this. Um, this was wildly entertaining and a wonderful like random movie to sit down and watch. This has become one of my favorite thrillers just because of what ultimately the movie was about. And yeah. They don't really have phone booths anymore because of smartphones and everything, but they cover that in the film. Um, the movie, I feel like, is a little, like, ahead of its time, if you will. It's basically a guy goes to make a phone call at a phone booth, an old-school phone booth, and a sniper um, a, a sniper is, like, watching the phone booth and holds him hostage. And the way it just plays out with the police, the press, the media, all that stuff, and it's so, like... It's just an intense movie, and it doesn't really like it. it kind of does, it sort of doesn't really give you a bit of a break. You know what I mean? It's just it's just a really well put together movie. Um, it's the movie that restored my faith in Joel Schumacher, um, <laughs> because you know after the Batman franchise, after Batman and Robin, you're just like mm, I don't know if I ever want to watch a movie from this guy again. And I don't think I realized it was Joel Schumacher till the end of the opening credits and went, oh well, all right. And then by the end of the movie, I was like, all right, this guy, you know, as long as he's not touching comic book stuff, I think he's an OK guy. <laughs> the director. <so. laughs> right. Well, nice. yeah, phone booth, really good. I think I've talked about it before, but I'm not 100 percent. So nice. Um, what else you got, man? Your OK, pick. so yeah, we might so... Roll through some of these quick because I know like two of mine I've talked about heavily before. So, yeah. Um, OK, so my next pick is. Um harkens back to when I was in college, um, I had this really cool apartment, like me and some of my best friends in college were renting this townhouse. And uh, it was this townhouse that was right next to the campus of my college, but it was also right next to a Chipotle and a Potbelly and a Panda Express. So that was awesome. But when you go, <laughs> when you go across, when you go across the street from those restaurants, there was a uh, really cheap um, video store, like a video rental place. I think it was called Dollar Video because if you rented a new movie, it would be $2. between five. No, it would be between, <laughs> be between like five to seven bucks. 
But if you went to the old, like, classic movies that people hadn't really rented for a while, it was always just $1 per day. So I was going there all the time, like, stocking up. It was probably once a, a week I would go there and just stock up on three or four movies, watch them, bring them back. It was just awesome to just be so close to the video rental place. Um, and at the time, I mostly was watching just, like, old indie comedies from like the 90s and stuff like I was watching a ton of indie movies but uh one of those movies that really stood out for me was the movie uh comic book villains uh Drew have you ever seen this movie or are you familiar with it I want to say yes but my brain is wondering if I'm thinking of something completely different so go (laughs) ahead (laughs) well this is like despite the name it's not actually a superhero movie but uh it's a movie that's about um it's about like this I don't know if it was a small town, but let's say a suburb and there's two rival comic book shops and you have the one comic book shop. That's the very nerdy, very abrasive sort of like you have to know your stuff (laughs) to go into this comic shop. Like this is where the hardcore lifer, like really nerdy comic book fans hang out. And then you have the other comic book shop. That's very family friendly, very commercial, very like, uh, really approachable for somebody new to uh to comic books but of course you have the really the more nerdy grungy uh comic shop is always talking crap about the more like family friendly commercial one and there's a lot of like they have a very i want to say friendly but it was it's really an unfriendly (laughs) rivalry like there's a lot of rivalry there and there's like kind of like a deep-seated hatred between the two really fun dynamic for a movie but What ends up happening is there's this one old man who lives in the community they're in who's a been like this like lifelong comic book collector. Like he's been collecting comics his whole life. And both shops know that this old man has like some of the greatest comics ever. Like he's got so many of the classic like Stan Lee, uh, Jack Kirby, Marvel comics. He's got a lot of like the DC first appearances and stuff like that. And they know this guy's collection is going to be amazing. And what happens is the old man dies. And so all of his comics are left to his wife and uh, both comic shops know that the wife doesn't know the gold mine that she's sitting on. So Mm -hmm. they both kind of simultaneously concoct a plan of how they're going to steal this man's comic book collection from her. (laughs) So it's like this really zany heist movie ends up playing out this movie's great. This is one of those, it's kind of like the uh, older Kevin Smith movies where it's like one of those things that I think was a little bit before its time. Like it came out, I want to say early two thousands, but it came out at a time when nerd culture definitely wasn't mainstream, but this movie is classic. If you want to watch something with tons of just classic comic book references um there's a moment there's one moment where one of the characters is almost like interrogating another character but the way he interrogates him is he starts asking like this really obscure comic book knowledge trivia and uh this movie's just great for anybody who's into that sort of thing and yeah this was definitely like one of those movies that pulled off the video rental shelf saw the cover i was just like boom i'm renting this so yeah that one's that one's a classic in my opinion all right well my next one i've talked about it before um it's a movie called confidence uh this i completely stumbled on in terms of the trailer that got released for this movie 
really didn't give you a lot other than they had a star-studded cast and it looked cool. And <laughs> I, right I and I literally bullied all of my friends into seeing this movie with me. I'm like, we're going to see this movie, it's going to be amazing. And they're like, and I remember walking into the theater and then being like, seriously, what are we seeing again? <laughs> and we're all sitting there watching it and I remember walking out and everyone was like, that movie was sick, dude. Like it was just really good. And ultimately it's a con man heist film um where you spend the whole movie going you're 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 playing that mystery guessing game of how they did it and then when you find out no matter and what i loved about it is every guess you have in terms of how they did it you won't be right and it'll it'll literally blow your mind when you see how it all pulls together at the end you know how like you know how at the end of oceans 11 where it pulls together and it yeah. shows how everything got set up. You'll never, like, in my opinion, you'll never see it coming. But it's so well done. Um, Ed Burns, Rachel Weiss, um, Dustin Hoffman, um, Anthony Garcia, um, Luis Guzman. Um, it's uh, Paul Giamatti. Um, really, just really good cast. Um, it was it's just a really good, fun movie. So I definitely recommend checking it out. And a lot of people forget that it exists. And I remember I brought it up a couple times randomly um at some parties and people like what movie (laughs) like it's really interesting i feel like i don't feel like a lot of people know it's out there but it was a straight on a whim this looks kind of cool let's go see it and i kind of forced everyone to go so (laughs) nice (laughs) yeah anyway that's awesome i feel like uh your list is a lot of like really like almost like critically acclaimed diamonds in the rough and stuff and i have a lot of actually pretty goofy movies on my list (laughs) (laughs) which is a good and that's the thing the next two movies are i've talked about heavily on this podcast but they were legit this looks cool let's go see it yeah and that was really the sole purpose in seeing the movie it just looks cool let's go nice i don't know anything but (laughs) why not um yeah uh with what I was saying, though, with uh, just having some goofy movies on my list, my next one definitely fits into that category. And that movie is uh, Jack Brooks Monster Slayer. Um, Drew, I don't know if you, are you familiar with this at all or no? Um, I am. Yeah. So why don't you. Uh, oh, have, have you seen this one? Um, I've seen part of it. OK, fair enough. It's so one of those a- where it, it's one of those someone had it on at a party. So I watched what I could until I couldn't pay any more attention to it. <laughs> So I got you. So this is a movie that it's one of those things where I was walking through a Best Buy like years ago and I just saw it and it was just one of those Jack Jack Brooks Monster Slayer. This movie looks awesome. And I remember I'm kind of like on a perpetual horror movie kick, but I was like on a super (laughs) I was on like a super like horror and monster movie kick at the moment and i was just it was just one of those things where i instantly just bought it there might have been a couple quotes about how it's like a really fun more like b-level horror movie or something but i was like this looks like it's awesome and i went home and checked it out and uh it was just a really fun watch it's um basically the story is like it's about this plumber who um If I remember correctly, I think he has like a tragic past. Like I want to say his parents were killed by like a monster and it's more of like a cryptid sort of like Bigfoot esque monster um, that killed his parents as a kid. I might be remembering that incorrectly, but I'm pretty sure that was the case. And uh, he kind of is this guy who grew up and ended up being a plumber, you know, like he was like this super blue collar guy, but he ends up finding his way back into the um the tradition 
of uh, killing monsters. And it's one of those things where there's like crazy monster attacks and stuff. But really what sold this movie to me was this is a movie that they made specifically just to do some cool practical effects. They're like, we're going to do some awesome monster suits. We're going to do all practical effects. And that's what this movie is going to be about. So you're talking about a movie where they have you like, three or four really good monsters, um, some really good prosthetic suits, a couple like just awesome bonkers puppets. And uh, that's what this movie was all about for me. And that's like, I didn't expect it to be the best movie from a story standpoint, even though it's, it's not that bad of a watch from a story standpoint, but for me, this one really stands out because it just has really cool creature designs and uh, special effects and all that. So this is one that I bought it on a whim. I knew what I was getting into, but I was totally satisfied after watching it, if that makes sense. Yeah, nice. Good call. And it's a movie that I honestly thought about trying to get my hands on and rewatch just because I liked what I saw and I didn't get a lot of chance to watch any further. But right on, right on. It's like you could, you only, you know, when people put movies on at parties, you're just like, are we really going to put something on that's new? Can you just put on a comedy that everyone's already seen? Like, throw Tommy Boy <laughs> on again just because it doesn't matter if I'm watching or not. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, uh, the next one is a Michael Bay film for me. Um, and it's a movie uh, that I've talked about before. It's, in my opinion, probably Michael Bay's best film. Um, and that's The Island. Nice. Um, this. When I say I went on a whim, I watched the trailer, knew it was some sort of action film. Okay, Ewan McGregor, Scarlett Johansson. Okay. I don't know what this is, but it looks cool. So me and a buddy of mine went to check out the movie. And I remember there was the point in the film where it was probably maybe 15 minutes, maybe 20 minutes into the movie that I was honestly getting a little bored because I didn't understand what was going on. I was like, (laughs) yeah. I get this, but I don't know why this is important. And then the movie took a turn and and it took a turn so early in the movie that it changed everything you knew about the movie. And it got really exciting at that point. And you're just like, whoa, okay, this is a different movie than I thought I was walking into. And it became this crazy, like, action-adventure sci-fi thing that you just didn't see coming. Now, it sucks that I have to talk about it like this because I feel like if I handed you the movie and said, go check this out, with you'd probably have the same experience I did. The problem is, is that if you read the back of the box, and this is something I just think this is a studio decision. This is an exec that thought this was a good idea. Wrong. They put the twist in the description of the movie on the back of the jacket. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, come on. So like a couple times I've let people borrow the movie. I'm like, watch this movie. Let's discuss. No matter what happens, do not read the back of the thing. Just enjoy. (laughs) And I remember handing it to I remember handing it to a friend of mine and I took a post-it note, put it in the sleeve of the thing and said, please don't read the back. And I got laughed at, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure you're lazy enough to not look at that. <laughs> so um, we'll just trust that you didn't and call it a day. So <laughs> I almost want you to, like, 
I know you probably don't want to do this to your copy of the movie, but I almost want you to like take a marker and just like, you know, cover up the parts that uh, of that back description that ruins the twist. Kind of like yeah, when you right. see like when government documents get deleted and they have certain areas blacked yeah, out. Just, just um, redact that statement. And I, you know, maybe, that, maybe that's the best way to go is redact it that way. People are like, what does that mean? I'm like, well, you got to watch the movie. Um, Absolutely. That's awesome, though. No, it's I, I really like that movie, but it was just something that completely surprised me and this was one of the two that i wrote down immediately last week when you uh um said this is what we're doing so awesome all right man what uh what do you got for me second to last pick uh yeah so my second to last one is another one very similar to jack brooks monster slayer where i saw this in a store i don't know if i was in a blockbuster or a best buy or walmart i have no idea where i was when i bought this movie but i know I remember seeing the movie and not knowing what it was, but that it looked awesome and I had to buy it. This is totally one of those picks. And it's the movie All Superheroes Must Die. Have you seen this, Drew? Are you familiar with it at all? So this is a independent uh, superhero movie. And it came out, unlike what I was saying with comic book villains, where I feel like that movie came out before kind of like the nerd culture boom that happened for like the last decade or so all superheroes must die came out in the midst of it like it was definitely post um avengers like the first avengers film and i I feel like i saw this movie around 2013 2014 you know like somewhere in there and it was one of those things where i was just like i don't know what this is but i love superhero movies this looks interesting And I bought it and uh, it was just a really cool watch. And the movie surrounds this team of superheroes who have all been kidnapped and drugged and placed in this sort of. I can't remember if it was like a building or if it was like kind of like a walled off city neighborhood, but they're kind of placed in this isolated location. And it's kind of this like saw level puzzle that they have to get out. And like there's this villain who captured them all and gave them this serum that takes away all of their powers. And uh, you get to see this villain on like screens and stuff. And it's all this big uh, Saw-esque game that they have to get out of. And the movie's very dark. It's very like it feels like a B horror movie or like a low budget horror movie. But it's a comic book film, and it's so interesting in that way. Um, One of the cool touches, and this is a total spoiler, but I think it's just such a cool concept, is uh, the movie, you know, all the superheroes have, um, you know, they're in brightly colored costumes. They all have, like, their own costumes and looks, and that's awesome. But all the characters have the serum, and they all lose their powers, except one and it's this one character who has super strength and he did not lose his power even the even after given the serum that takes your powers away it's later revealed in the movie that that hero didn't lose his powers because he didn't have superpowers his strength was achieved through working out and stuff like he wanted to be a superhero bad enough that he worked worked out and built his own strength until he was at that level. And I thought that was like a cool, a really cool touch. Um, that's kind of like you didn't expect to see coming. Sorry for spoiling that, but uh, no, this movie, this movie is really cool and it's very interesting. And it's one of those things that nobody ever talks about, but it's, 
this is a movie on a limited budget and you're doing a superhero film. And I think that's what I love about this film is it's what, how can we do a superhero comic book film with a very limited budget? Because you're, when you go to see a Marvel movie or a DC movie, like they've got, it's like an unlimited budget special effects CGI fest. And this is like the complete opposite of that. And it's very DIY and very, cool in that sort of like indie way so i definitely recommend this uh drew i could let you borrow this one too if you want <laughs> so i gotta borrow your whole list tonight apparently <laughs> pretty much what i'm hearing <laughs> um yeah all right well my last pick of the night actually and i've talked about this movie a lot before has is now my is i can claim as my favorite movie of all time and that is the movie out of sight nice uh, I've talked about it before. Um, I love this film. Um, I don't need to recap this at all. It's basically an opposite track love story between a bank robber and a U.S. Marshal. Um, it's incredibly well filmed, blah, blah, blah. I love this film. This movie legitimately came out. I, I, there, was a, there was a clip of like one scene that got released for like whatever talk show George Clooney was on for it. Like here's like George Clooney in this movie, check it out kind of thing. Like a Jimmy Fallon, like the tonight show kind of thing. It's the only thing I saw of it. And I'm like, that looks cool. And that was the end of the story. I just went and saw the movie because it just sounded like a good idea. And it, I, it's my favorite movie of all time. It really is just a wonderful movie. Like so well done. Yeah. I don't have much more to say about it. It's just, I love that film. So that's awesome. Yeah. And this one, you've talked about it a lot. I still haven't seen it, but um, one of the sentiments... At this, at this point, I have overhyped it for you, so... <laughs> one of the sen sentiments that I'm left with, though, which I really love and is one of the reasons I wanted to pick this list is because a lot of times the movies you go to see and you have no idea what you're getting yourself into... Um, a lot of times those end up being some of your favorite films. Um, for me, uh, the movie Zodiac was that in a lot of ways where I didn't really include it on this list because I don't think it totally counts as like as enough of a wild card. Like I was aware of the movie and um, ended up going to see it with some friends or whatever. But Zodiac for me was that where I didn't really know what I was walking into and ended up loving it. And uh yeah, I like that out of sight is that for you. So, uh, well, that's awesome. it's interesting because when you mentioned this list, when you brought this concept up to me, my thought was I just watch movies. Period. Yeah. Like, I just like movies and I wish I had more time to just watch movies. But I mean, if I could watch a movie a day, I would like you wake up in the morning, get your breakfast, watch a movie and then go do your thing. I wish I had the ability to do that. What's interesting, though, is that you said that and I was like, there was a point in my life where I just watched random stuff and it didn't matter to me what yeah. it was. And I still do that. So a lot of my watching has been on a whim. Yeah. But these movies that I've talked about tonight are just, I watched them on a whim and they're absolutely amazing films. So yeah. Right on. Um, well, I guess I can move into my last. Yeah. One. What's your final pick of the night? Man? <laughs> and uh, like I said, like, it's not Zodiac, even though I was kind of just gushing over Zodiac, but I didn't think it fit the list quite as much as some of my other picks. And that's why I didn't make it for this week for me. But my last movie is actually the movie uh, Green Street Hooligans. Um, Drew, have you seen this one? Oh, I don't actually know what this is. Oh, really? OK, interesting. So <laughs> this is a movie that 
this is going to go back to the days of MySpace. <laughs> so for the kids okay. listening, before <laughs> before you had your TikToks and Snapchats, there was things like Twitter and Facebook. And before that, you had MySpace. And MySpace to this day is probably my favorite social media site that I've ever taken part in, even though it's like the website's still there, but it is not what it was at one at one time. Like at one time, I thought MySpace was just an amazing, awesome place. Still the best, still the best place for discovering new music. Um, nothing's ever replicated it since, but I'll I'll get off of that. <laughs> get off that tangent. Sure. Back in the day on my MySpace where I had my MySpace and I had, you know, a couple hundred friends from that I knew from school or you know, friends of friends and stuff like that. And uh, you could put out, I think they called it bulletins where you would just put out like a lot of people would do surveys. Like they fill out like questionnaires and put them up or people would put out like announcements like, Hey, come to this party or come to this band's concert or whatever. And I put out as a bullet bulletin. I said, I want to watch a movie. Somebody tell me what movie to watch. <laughs> and the first person to respond was uh, a girl I was a friend with who said, you should rent Green Street Hooligans. It's pretty good. So I went out and I did that. And uh, Green Street Hooligans is a movie that's starring um, Elijah Wood. I, I don't know why I almost forgot his name right there, but Elijah Wood <laughs> and um, Charlie Hunnan. And uh, there's a bunch of other people you'd probably recognize, but they're the two main people. And the movie is about Elijah Wood is like a week away from graduating from college and he's going to an Ivy League school. I can't remember which one, but it's one of these situations where he gets busted for plagiarizing a uh, like a uh, essay or something like right okay. before he leaves school or right before he graduates. Maybe it's his thesis. He gets busted for like plagiarizing and he gets kicked out of school. The twist is it's actually his roommate screwed him over in the thing. Like it's like something mm -hmm. his roommate was supposed to get okay. him in trouble for and he screws him over. So Elijah Wood doesn't know what to do, but he's like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life, but my sister lives in England with her husband. So I'm just going to fly over to England and stay with her until I figure things out. So he does that. And uh, little does he know that her, his sister's brother-in-law is part of a soccer hooligan gang or football hooligan, I guess I should say over in uh, England. So basically it's about Elijah Woods character getting brought into the world of football hooligans, which um, for anybody who doesn't know, these are like the rival gangs that sort of form around various soccer or football teams in England. And it's one of those things where every time two soccer teams play against each other in the parking lot or in the streets outside of the stadium. You have these hooligan gangs that beat the crap out of each other and stuff like that. And uh, I ended up loving this movie. I think it's like a really fun sort of like, if you want to watch a movie about a bunch of people kicking each other's ass, like it definitely has those like cool, brutal, gory action moments, but it also has that cool, like fish out of water aspect. And it's got that little bit of like, travel porn aspect where you can kind of live vicariously through like ah, even though like okay. what he's doing is kind of messed up like I kind of am living vicariously through Elijah Wood's character or, uh you know yeah, character yeah. in this movie and uh this is just a movie that I really ended up coming to enjoy and uh I understand that I guess for movies of this ilk 
Green Street Hooligans is kind of like the lower end as far as like how realistic it is and stuff. Like, I guess there's other soccer hooligan films that are much better, but this movie is still one that I really love. And it's a movie that I want to say like once a year or so, I'll just pop it in. I'll just be like, I want to watch Green Street Street Hooligans again. So uh, yeah, definitely a fun, worthwhile watch if you have the chance. So yeah. All right. Very cool. Well, that brings us to the end of this ep- this week, technically this episode, but this list for the night. Um, next week, I... Yeah, what are we doing? Yeah, so this is... We, we just finished our 230th top five list. <laughs> Crazy. Which is nuts to think about. However, scrolling back through the master list, the master spreadsheet I have, somehow, you and I have never discussed this. So, next week... And I expect us to match a bunch, but either way, I think it'll make for a good conversation, is our five favorite directors. Uh, oh, man. We've never <laughs> done this list, and I don't know how we've never done this list. So, um, let's talk about that. <laughs> um, this one's crazy because it's like, how do you even narrow it down? I know. <laughs> I know. And I expect to, I ex, like I said, I expect to match a bunch, but we've never discussed it, so let's see what we can come up with. Um, this this one, I did think of this early on when we started the show, but it's also one of those, like, it seems so big that I just never wanted to bring it to the table, you know? It's such a, it's such a big question, but it, it this will be fun. Big, it is such a big question, so it should be fun. Like I said, I'm pretty sure we'll match um, here and there, so... Anyway, um, you ready to toss this one in the can for tonight? Absolutely. Great. Um, all right, everyone, do us all a favor. Check out our website, top5report.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook, along to a link to our email, top5report at gmail.com. You can hit us up there. Social media, either way works. We are on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Stitcher, Amazon, Audible. Um, you can subscribe to us in those places. If you do, you will not miss a single episode. You can also uh, leave us a review. We love those five-star reviews, but we understand criticism because it helps us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. You can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Peter, what about you? Yeah, you can uh, follow me on Twitter at NinjaPierre, and that's where I will be reiterating that if you think your Teletubby is saying some weird crap, you should hear the stuff coming out of my good guys doll. (laughs) (laughs) all right Um, that's that's a very late 90s joke but yeah it's all good it's all good all right man well for the top five report i'm drew i'm peter and we'll see you next week have a good night